Beyond Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is happening and welcome to the Locked On Pistons podcast. Your episode for Wednesday, April 25th, and we may have seen the last of a couple of NBA and basketball legends. Your boy Matt Shook here, an AP freelance writer in Chicago covering the NBA and a Pistons fan follower my whole life, a sports newspaper reporter professionally for over a decade as well. Today we're going to run down Tuesday's possible swan songs, a couple of playoff games or a few playoff games actually. We're going to run down Wednesday's schedule and look ahead a little bit to the Western Conference semifinals as well. We're also going to have a Pistons-themed tribute for Dwayne Wade and Manu Ginobili, two future Hall of Famers who may have played their last NBA games on Tuesday night. And, of course, we're going to have another segment of Pistons playoff playback. We're going to the mid-'80s for this one as well. But first, Tuesday night, the Boston Celtics topped the Milwaukee Bucks 92-87. The teams have held serve at home through five games, and the Celtics now lead the series 3-2. Marcus Smart returned for the Celtics after having the thumb injury, making an impact in his first game on the court since mid-March, he had nine points off the bench, but filled up the stat sheet in a variety of ways. 22-14 and 14 for Grand Ledge's Al Horford and the Celtics. Uh, Chris Middleton, former Piston, led the way for the Bucks with 23 points. Giannis had 16 points and nine rebounds in addition to nine assists. Not the dominant game that you might expect from the Greek freak on the road. But like I said, holding serve. And I kind of like the slow burn. It actually reminds me a little bit of the Piston-Spurs Finals in 2005 when, uh, until that Robert Ory shot, every team had kind of held serve at home there with the Pistons losing Game 5 and then winning Game 6 on the road in San Antonio. So we'll wait for some disruption in that series. They will go at it again on Thursday night in Milwaukee and creates great drama the rest of the way. Obviously the pressure on the Bucks to hold serve at home now, and then you would expect a Saturday Game 7 possibly if it if necessary in Boston. But teams that don't need games to be necessary anymore. Philly closed out Miami 104 to 91, winning that first round series 4 to 1 there in 5 games. The 76ers will play the Boston Milwaukee winner in round 2 whenever that happens. Meek Mill got out of prison, the rapper and showed up and it was a party in Philadelphia. JJ Redick had 27 points. Joel Embiid had 19 and 12, Ben Simmons 14 and 10 rebounds. Kevin Hart was all over the place. Um, all sorts of Villanova players, uh, Jeffrey Lowry from the Eagles, uh, you know, everyone that's involved with Philadelphia. I don't think Rocky was there, but uh, Sly Stallone will probably show up for the finals or something like that. The governor was there uh, showing up as well. I don't know. I don't under, I, I, I guess I understand if, if the if Philly's your substitute team and all. I've talked about my affinity for Ben Simmons on the podcast before, and I understand uh, why folks would like Joel Embiid, although he's not my my guy, certainly. I'm rooting against the 76ers the rest of the way, especially a team that's uh, too much too soon. I mean, uh, especially a Philly sports scene that's gotten too much success of late, and it's not exactly the most uh, likable fan base either, in my opinion. Now, maybe, obviously, I could be wrong, and maybe you guys feel that way, and maybe Detroit's the the one that's the, the unlikable fan base, but of course, we're a little bit biased here on the Locked on Pistons podcast, and that's just me. And then speaking of teams that got bounced, um, in addition to Miami, the Warriors bounced the Spurs at home 99-91. Kevin Durant had 25 points. Klay Thompson found his stroke. He had 24. Draymond Green played well at 17 and a career playoff high 19 rebounds. In his final game this season with the Spurs, LaMarcus Aldridge had 30 points and 12, 12 rebounds. 
Manu had 10 points, and that could be the end of his career. We'll talk about that today. And it's uh, Saturday night, the league announced, or Saturday, I should say, the league announced that Golden State and New Orleans will play in Game 1 in Oakland. Uh, Kurt, Stephen Curry is supposed to be eva- reevaluated for his knee injury later this week. I don't think there's many people expecting that he'd be ready for Game 1, but hopefully maybe if you're a Warriors fan, you want him back by the middle of this Round 2 series. Tonight, four big games. As Round 1 continues, Indiana and Cleveland are in Ohio for Game 5. That series is tied 2-2. Two to two. The Cavs, 6.5-point favorites at home for that 7 o'clock game. Also, a 2-2 two and two series in the East is uh, Washington back in Toronto for a 7 o'clock game. Toronto favored by 7 points to hold serve at home there. Minnesota and Houston, the Rockets lead 3-1 to one and should close out tonight, favored by 12 for that 9-30 game on uh, there. And then also at 9-30, Utah is playing at Oklahoma City for Game 5. Utah with a 3-1 to one lead on the road um, in Game 5, and I would expect the Thunder to step up at home and win this one, but we will see. The Thunder are 3.5-point favorites to take that game uh, at home. Like I said, I'm, I'm going for OKC as far as picking in that one. But today we're going to be talking about a couple of Hall of Famers and how their careers intersected with the Pistons as we saw Ginobili and Dwayne Wade possibly end their careers on uh, Tuesday night. And I'll be talking about if I think that was the end for them or not. But if your company wants to reach men between 19, 18 and 44, this is the spot to reach them. Locked on Pistons is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 to 44. So what's up, fellas? And if that demo sounds good to you and your business, this is your spot. Plus, we got reasonable rates. So email me at matt underscore shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, at yahoo.com to find out more. Yes, sir! And as always, during the playoffs this year, a little bit later on, we're going to be going to the Pistons playoff playback. Since we can't live in the present, we will relive the past. But on Tuesday night, we may have seen the last of a couple of NBA icons as Manu Ginobili and the San Antonio Spurs, along with Dwayne Wade and the Miami Heat, had their seasons come to an end. First, the news about the veterans after the loss, Gabrielle Gabrielle Union, the wife of Dwayne Wade, tweeted out, I hope this isn't the end, but my God, Dwayne Wade has a career most people dream of. He is a damn legend, an icon, and he's cute. For his part, Dwayne Wade did not announce a decision after the game. He did say, uh, he was quoted as saying, couldn't have asked for a better ending to this season. And uh, Eric Spolster after the game said, you're going to make me emotional if we start to think about that or talk about that right now. Ginobili, for his part, he's 40 years old, played 16 seasons in the league. He said after the game, I've been contemplating retirement forever. I'll let a month, two months go by, and then I'll see how I feel. I thought he was maybe cooked two seasons ago during Tim Duncan's last year with the Spurs, but Manu has really bounced back for two respectable years since then. He was good this year. He played in 65 games. He averaged 8.9 points per game, um, 1.5 better uh, than last year in terms of the, the point output. Field goal percentage jumped up to 43% from the high 30s, despite his three-point percentage going down this year. Manu played 20 minutes a game, which is the most that he's played in the last three seasons, although the last couple of years have been pretty close to that as well. He could come back next year. I wouldn't be all that surprised, but the grind has probably gotten too much of him. Plus, there doesn't seem to be a way forward for the Spurs team to get back to the finals when you look at Houston and you look at Golden State and then the uncertainty of the Kawhi Leonard situation. So I think Manu might maybe take a look at uh, how things might shake down with the team. 
before he gives the commitment of what's going to happen. Maybe the Spurs organization will have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen with Leonard before uh, making the decision with Manu. Obviously, these guys probably enjoy the NBA grind for the, the, being on the road and all that stuff, but uh, you know, obviously got family considerations as well. And uh, who knows what's going on with these guys, with uh, the, the lives that we don't know, and what their desires are, and what their wants are, which are probably a lot different in their late forty or late thirties and early forties than they were uh, in the primes of their career. Manu is under contract for two point five million dollars next year for the Spurs, but so was Tim Duncan when he retired. So I don't think that's a huge consideration either way. Tony Parker, by the way, also an unrestricted free agent this year, uh, one to keep an eye on. There, the 35-year-old, he had his worst season this year after missing uh, the first chunk of it with a serious quad injury. Those guys were both on the last four of the five title teams for the Spurs, not including 1999, the first one that they had during the lockout year when the uh, Spurs knocked off Latrell Sprewell and the Knicks. Dwayne Wade, he averaged a career low 11.4 points per game this year, almost five points lower than his previous career low, which was his rookie year. In Miami, he's 36 years old. He is a free agent this offseason, so he could go wherever he wants. Obviously, Dwayne and Manu both had some battles with the Pistons going to work era, which that alone tells you that these guys have been around for a long, long time. You might even recall that the Pistons had a chance to draft Dwayne Wade in 2003 after he led Marquette to the Final Four. Wade went fifth to Miami while the Pistons opted for Darko Milicic at number two instead, in case you had forgotten about that. Wade's second year in the league with Shaq after the trade for Shaquille O'Neal from the Lakers. Uh, the teams met in the 2005 NBA Eastern Conference Finals against the Pistons one year after the Pistons won the title against Shaq and the Lakers in 2004. Dwayne Wade was great in that series, got nearly 26 a game. Um, Miami and coach Stan Van Gundy, if you've heard of him, he they were the one seeds and Detroit was the two, so Detroit had to go win Game 7 on the road. Dwayne Wade had a rib injury in that one, missed Game 6 in Detroit, had the full body armor. I think uh, you'll remember that. Returned for Game 7, he played 43 minutes in the loss, scored 20 points, took an injection before the game reportedly. I watched the fourth quarter of that today, and uh, Marv Albert was just gushing about Dwayne Wade, as uh, sports announcers do when players are playing with pain. I don't know. Dwayne Wade was pretty dramatic with the injuries back then, always going down. Um, and it was a distasteful if you were a rival of his. Obviously, if you were a Pistons fan, who was like, why is he always limping around after he goes down? Obviously, the Pistons were a tough team that inflicted a lot of pain, but it always kind of seemed like Dwayne Wade was was uh, playing that up a little bit. But the lovely thing about the Pistons being so bad since then is that these days that stuff is kind of forgotten, and you can kind of enjoy the you know the final two thirds of Dwayne Wade's career without the Pistons uh, being involved in the relevant uh, picture of the NBA. So while the Pistons floundered, we can enjoy guys like Dwayne Wade and Manu Ginobili. Uh, The following season, Wade and the Heat took out Detroit in six games in 2006 en route to the NBA championship when they beat Dallas and Dirk Nowitzki there. Uh, Wade did play in all six games against the Pistons in the 2006 East Finals. As for Manu, after the Pistons beat Wade and the Heat in, in seven in 2005, the Pistons went on to play the Spurs, losing in seven uh, in 2005, as you remember. Manu averaged 18.7 points per game that year. Manu had the long hair back then. George Carl used to say that uh, Manu grew it out to draw attention to his flopping and to get more calls. Um, this was a time when Greg Popovich kind of was trying to control Manu Ginobili throughout the early part of his career, but really took the reins off of him and let Manu be Manu. A couple articles that I read referenced how 
his mentor, Larry Brown, the coach of the Pistons at the time, had some of those same issues with Allen Iverson and uh, kind of learned maybe from some of the things that uh, Larry Brown went through and figured out a way to, to, to kind of let Manu by, be Manu, but still able to uh, kind of control his star player and uh, figure out a way to uh, make him fit within the team structure. And obviously, with 2005 as evidence, um, that worked out brilliantly. In 2004, the Spurs lost to the Lakers in the playoffs there. Uh, the Derek Fisher shot, miracle shot from the, the sideline, was the one that you'll remember from that. Um, Spurs fans might think that if they would have had a chance at the Pistons in 2004, that they maybe would have knocked them off then there also. Uh, obviously, as Pistons fans, we disagree. That 2004 team pretty much had the fire uh, lit under them and uh, the want and weren't going to let anyone stop them in the finals as evidenced by the five-game sweep against the Los Angeles Lakers. It's interesting to see when teams try to go for that repeat title, and uh, it is hard. Obviously, you get the, the minutes and the, the amount of games that you have to play to, to go deep into the playoffs one year and then play the following season. But I think it's just human nature to not have that same drive for that second title. And I think we saw that a little bit from the Detroit Pistons in 2005 going up against a team in San Antonio that was beatable. And I know that Ginobili and Parker and Tim Duncan and that home crowd and, and role players like Ori and Bruce Bowen, very good players, obviously. But I don't think that team was uh, unbeatable or anything like that. But uh, Manu's heroics down the stretch in some of these games were a big reason why the Spurs got to the finish line there. Um, in the clutch, it was Manu. I mean, other than that big shot, Bob Ori, game five at the Palace that a lot of Pistons fans try to erase from their memory, it was Manu who was making the big shots in that series at the end of uh, some of these games, you know, game seven in particular being one of the only close ones. If you remember, games one through four were blowouts for the home team before game five in the Palace was the first close game of that series. I watched some of that game just now to uh, game seven. Manu had 23 points, four assists, and five rebounds in Game 7. If you're not on YouTube watching some of this stuff uh, as a Pistons fan during the playoffs, I don't know. I mean, it's it's the, the best way to live the, vicariously through the past. So as I talk about some of these things, you can find most of this stuff on YouTube. So check it all out there. Uh, in that Game 7, Manu really took it to Ben Wallace and some hard dunks. Not really over him, but definitely wasn't afraid of him and kind of set the tone, got the crowd going crazy with a couple of monster dunks there. Um, I really thought, even at the time, the Tim Duncan win in finals MVP that year was a little strange. I thought he was off in a few of those tight games, came up small in Game 5, and Ori was the one who came up big. And really, in all seriousness, as I watched Game 7 again and looked over the stats, I might have given MVP to Ginobili, especially with the way he played in Game 7. Tim Duncan led the Spurs in scoring in that Game 7, but he was 10 for 27 from the field. And uh, Manu had 23 to Tim's 25. The big baskets were for, for Manu. And he also made four free throws in the final 22 seconds, four or four from the line to help seal the victory. Cut off a couple of seconds in the, the final seconds there with a smart, heady play where he had a path to the basket, but uh, instead dribbled around and knocked off a few, four, few more seconds. That uh, was the kind of play that Al Michaels and Hubie Brown really loved on the ABC call there. But uh, yeah, like I said, Manu kind of iced that game. With some free throws, a couple of legends, Dwayne Wade and Manu Ginobili, and and who knows, maybe both those guys come back next year, or maybe one of them. But if we have seen the last of them on an NBA court, salute to a couple of the game's great icons. Obviously, Manu Ginobili, uh, his Argentina national team past is maybe even just as important to him in some ways as his Spurs career. I was in Rio for the Olympics last year in 2000. I'm sorry, no, two two years ago in 2016. 
as uh, Ginobili played his final game, his final year with the Argentinian national team. He played with Andreas Nocioni and those guys, um, uh, you know, the crew that uh, really built up Argentina basketball to uh, to what they were. They won the gold medal before as well, but uh, the U.S. took them out in the quarterfinals in Rio, and I was covering that game. Well, I was basically at that game. I wasn't really writing for anyone. It was kind of some downtime for some of the Virgin Islands athletes that I was covering, and I went and checked out that game, took some photos right uh, courtside, and it was interesting because Argentina and Brazil, such a uh, a rivalry in all things, and especially sports, and even though Brazil was already knocked out, the host's um, in the basketball tournament, they didn't make the medal round. All the fans showed up and were chanting with the Argentina fans the whole time. And Ginobili, just a, a, an outstanding uh, competitor, and um, I was, you know, a, it was a treat for me to be able to see him play his final game for the Argentinian national team. There, uh, played with Luis Scola, obviously for many years as well with the Argentinians, and um, a credit to his nation and a credit to the game of basketball as well. And Dwayne Wade, a Chicago guy who uh, made his mark, obviously, with the Miami Heat throughout his career, won a couple of titles there. Uh, congratulations to those guys from Pistons Nation. And we're going to be looking back for a little bit, uh, some some ha- more happy times in Detroit's Pistons playoff playback. And since we can't live in the present, we'll have to relive the past. But also coming up this week, the NFL Draft coming up Thursday night. And if you're not ready for it, you need to get onto Locked On Lions with Matt Derry of Detroit Radio. Check that one out every day. Also, all the other podcasts we have here on the Lockdown Network. And check out our landing page at LockdownSports.com. The Lockdown Network, your team every day. Now it's time for today in Pistons Playoff Playback, April 25th, 1986. A little bit of a forgotten rival for the Pistons throughout the 1980s. Sometimes we think the trajectory is always up for teams on the rise when we think about the Pistons two championship eras. But today we'll talk a little about a bad boys season that kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit. The team got to the playoffs for the first time in 1984 and were beat out in the first round by Bernard King and the New York Knicks. 85, the team won a playoff series against New Jersey, but then lost in round two to Boston in six games. And guys like me who weren't really, you know, I was was alive back then, but uh, this is a little bit before my time. In 1987, we remember that the Pistons would get another shot at Boston, losing in seven in the Eastern Conference Final. There's a steal by Bird. Uh, the, the whole Bird would be just another player if he was white series in 1987. But in between those two years, those two matchups with Boston that ended the seasons, the Pistons had a tough transitional season. 1986, it was Joe Dumar's rookie year. Rick Mahorn was brought in from the Washington Bullets as well. The Pistons uh, recorded the second straight 46-36 and 36 season, but were just the five seed in the first round of the Eastern Conference, taking on Atlanta, the four seed in a three out of five series, had to go down to the Omni for the first two games. The Pistons would lose the first two games as Dominique Wilkins led the way for the Hawks to those wins, including a 50-point effort in game two. The Pistons responded at the Silver Dome winning game three, but then 32 years ago today, the Hawks picked up the 114-113 to win in double overtime, eliminating Detroit from the playoffs. Neek had 38 points, and Kevin Willis of Michigan State and Doc Rivers, now coach of the Clippers, also key players on that team for the Hawks. 30 points for Isaiah Thomas in the loss, 27 for Bill Lambeer, and 24 for Kelly Trapuca. Like I said, I think Pistons fans my age, who, by the way, like I said, this is a little bit before my time. I was three years old when this game happened, and I certainly don't remember it, but I think 
Bill Lambeer is a guy who might get a little bit shortchanged by people of my age, kind of characterized just as a goon. Maybe some guy who occasionally knocked down shots for the Bad Boys championship teams, but was just kind of a fighter type and not that really good of a player. But that was kind of towards the tail end of his career when he hit his his age 30 season. And from then on, before that, in his 20s, he was a four-time All-Star. And again, I, I think that gets lost in the shuffle a little bit for Pistons fans of my age. And then after this season, the Pistons fans would make the Pistons would make big changes going into next year, trading for Adrian Dantley, giving up Trapuca and Kent Benson there, also acquiring Sidney Green in an offseason deal, and also drafting a couple of guys that would help the front court named John Sally and Dennis Rodman, to be continued on some of those stories. But give us a follow on Twitter at Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, another underscore after that, and also on the Locked on Pistons Twitter account. Also check out the Facebook page at Locked on Pistons dash Matt Shook. If you are an iTunes listener, and you should be, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast there. Give us a rating and review. That helps us on the charts and lets people find the show as well. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and uh, enjoy the games tonight, and we'll be listening to hear if any more Stan Van Gundy news comes out. Enjoy your day, everyone.